Bad leaders are everyone's worst nightmare, giving you the ultimate playbook to lead, inspire, and grow your team. Better tech leadership powered by BrainHub. Klaus, you are almost five years uh, experience uh, as an um, um, engineering manager, head of engineering. You work for, for many companies around the world and here in Berlin, like Here Technologies, Ada Health, Doctari Group, those are only the, the last ones. And I really wanted to start with something that if you could describe what are the output and outcomes expected from engineering manager? What kind of hustle does the engineering manager take on, on his shoulders? guess my 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 career could be described as maybe the traditional route to become to go into um, engineering leadership so for a very long time i was a software engineer then became a tech lead then engineering manager then head of engineering so i have bit experienced the gamut of of different um, uh, positions and and roles and i guess i i distinguish a little bit between tactical operational and strategic so Tactical would be more like you are a software engineer and you have um, to um, uh, create certain artifacts and build software and make things happen. And when you become an engineering manager and also perhaps as an as a as a as a head of engineering, it's a bit more operational, right? Like maybe you collaborate more with other teams. You have a bit more a wider outlook on how things are progressing in the future. You're discussing roadmaps, and then. As a head of engineering, it's a bit more stakeholder management, involving more teams, having cross-organization, collaboration. And um, this is all, I think, on my level, still very operational, right? And then I think the next step up would be more like a C-suit position, which is a lot more strategic, more, a lot more, you know, what are the vision? What, what What's the vision? What are we doing in the next maybe three to five years? Um, so these are kind of the different um, uh, roles, right? More from tactical, moving from tactical to operational to strategic. Okay, that's interesting. And like your perception of uh, engineering or how to do stuff and how do you see stuff change over time for sure, right? Like from uh, being a software developer to being a head of engineering, there is like a huge gap. Could you tell more about the things that change in your mind, the perception or some uh, some topics that you understand the different as a software engineer and now you have a completely different view? I think what, what, what changed the most is, I guess, the, the maybe empathy for business-related problems, where as a, maybe as a software engineer, I often saw problems um, um, from, from a lens of technology, you know, what is the perfect implementation, how do you make um, the technology really shine. But then over time you progress and you understand a little bit more on the business related issues that you need to solve, right? And um, you have to become a lot more pragmatic in the sense of maybe the best technology is not what's best for the business or you have to make some compromises what's possible, right? So um, I think the biggest progression is also that um, I became a little bit more pragmatic on what I think is a, is a great solution because I understand there are a lot of moving parts involved and sometimes you have to, you know, um, uh, create the best solution out of the, me the mess that you have. And th the higher up you go, I think the, the more important it is to build with relationships with others, to stay, have stakeholder management, to, you know, also to work with your peers. And I think this um, aspect is a lot more relevant than with a software engineer. I think you have your team, your teammates, right, your immediate colleagues. 
um, and it's a lot more um, a smaller group that you can operate with. You mentioned this uh, stakeholder management. Could you elaborate a bit on that more? Like, who are the stakeholders usually? How do you manage them? How do you manage their expectations? What is your approach? I think um, a lot depends if you are more uh, working on consumer products or more on um, internal business um, uh, products. So with consumer, usually your stakeholder um, is the user, right? Um, and there are a lot more um, uh, tools around, you know, experimenting and finding out and uh, usability research on what you can do. And once you move more to, let's say, internal uh, products that are equally important, right? then usually you co collaborate more with uh, different departments in the same company. And and often those people, they come from a very different um, uh, perspective of maybe um, seeing technology as enabler, but otherwise not super interested in how, how sausage get made, right? And I think a lot of about, you know, collaborating is um, to work on an eye level, right? I see a lot of um, maybe traditional companies more working like IT is kind of a, a service provider, you know, doing what we tell you and come back in time and that's it. But that's not how software gets made, right? Yeah, what you really want to have is a collaboration on eye level. So technology needs to understand the business problem, but uh, business also needs to understand, you know, what technology is, is capable of. And then you have a really good discussion and it, it depends a lot of on, on the culture of, of the company, but we, that's really key also as an engineering leader, um, leader to, to get this eye-level um, collaboration um, working. Okay. And who is your partner in crime, so to say? Um, do you have, as a head of uh, engineering, do you have head of product? and Or as an engineering manager, do you have a product manager uh, and you work in parallel? Who, who is your uh, partner in crime? No, yeah, and that's usually the case. So um, um, the the way the the structure is, team structures are usually done is that every team usually has a team lead or an engineer manager, and then multiple engineer managers um, report to maybe a director of engineering, head of engineering. And um, in our case, or in in my last company, the way it works that all um, uh, arrived at the CTO positions, so of product and engineering, they reported into the same. Um, uh, a person which I think can make sense in a in a in a smaller company, and then usually you have peers, um, you 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 have product peers, but also usually other engineering directors. Usually, um, uh, um, software there are a lot more software engineers than product managers, right? So you also have a bit more leadership uh, management around, and usually you have maybe one key person heading the product, but they also have um, product managers reporting to them, right? And then maybe as um, sometimes on, on consumer software, you often have a design involved as well, maybe less so for internal products. Um, for internal products, it's usually more like having um, a business counterpart or maybe a group of business counterparts. Maybe if it's very complex, it's also like a business analysis is, or someone understanding the processes in detail is also uh, also involved. And I was personally always wondering, like director of engineering and the head of engineering, it's just a naming that depends on the company, right? It's not like uh, completely different roles. Or, or what is your experience on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess every company has different namings and meanings, right? So like, I think head off can sometimes mean you are overlooking, overlooking an entire area. 
Um, whereas maybe director engineering more means like you are kind of in between maybe um, a higher level leadership role and a team lead role, right? So, but for, for, for me, it's, 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 it's more or less the same right now. Even, even what an engineering manager means, it's very different between companies. Some require their engineering managers to be also very hands-on, some don't. Um, yeah, that's very, very dependent on the, on the, on the company and its culture. And how about the objectives or the OKRs? I'm always trying to think about the roles and peoples and to align it with kind of uh, numbers and outputs like they are responsible for or they their teams should deliver. So if you think about the, your role as an engineering manager and head of engineering, like what should be the right OKRs for the teams and for you on those roles? And, and I think that the ties into this uh, distinction I made between tactical, operational, and strategic. So I guess you need goals and a vision on all three levels, right? And a strategic could be more like vision and mission and maybe um, uh, a strategy. And on a tactical level, it's usually more like sprints or maybe a short term, you know, we are developing these kind of features in the next few weeks. And then the OKRs that you mentioned, I think they fit into the middle, into the operational part, right? Like um, they always work. I mean, it doesn't have to be OKR, but it, I think it's super useful to have something in the middle that works on a three months level because three months is enough time for something big to happen, um, but not so much time that um, it might be, you know, very long, t long, long term in the future. And um, this kind of gives you kind of also the teams, the framework, on, you know, what are the different bits that everyone contributes as a team to um, a, a bigger, bigger, bigger vision and also make sure, hey, for the next three months, we are clear on, on the alignment part. And then usually what happens is that teams break it down more into their sprints or if they use a different framework on, on, on the actual, actual features and software development. Like coming back to the team structure, um, I'm really interested about the team structure. What is the team structure around the engineering manager or the team structure around the head of engineering? Or what is your perfect team structure? You say like, hey, I, I need to, or I, I would love to have this guy. I would love to have those guys in the teams. The teams that uh, don't, uh, cannot be bigger than, I don't know six people, you know, like what is, what is your approach here? Yeah, so the, the main criteria that I try to use when building teams is to minimize dependencies because what you always want to achieve is that multiple team can work in parallel um, on different parts um, so you can move ahead more quickly, right? And minimizing dependencies, first of all, means it's um, important that, that all the skills and competencies are in the team to make a meaningful contribution. And what that exactly is, is, is sometimes depends on the team, right? But um, of course, if you need to ask someone all the time to do something for you, you have a lot of dependencies and then you will slow down. Um, so the, the, the question is, what is the goal or what, what's the purpose of the team and how do you get all the, the right roles into the team? And um, yeah, for a user-facing team, that could mean yeah, a designer, software engineers, uh, maybe some someone in in QA, a product manager is usually involved. Like, usually all the teams they they always have product and engineering, and then maybe design and QA and other roles. 
And then for an internal facing team, it might make sense, more sense to have maybe a business analyst. So it depends a little bit and also kind of the balance between, you know, um, backend engineer, front engineers, full stack engineers, or certain specialization depend a lot on, on, on the teams. And then you, you try to, 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 to build these teams and try to connect them to see, can they actually make a significant contribution um, independently so you can um, move in, in parallel. And that's, that's a good setup. And usually what, what, I mean, you could say, Hey, let's move everyone into one team, right? Then there are no dependencies, but usually there's also a size limit. Um, my rule of thumb is like uh, seven plus minus three people. I think more than 10 people, it gets really uh, complex. Um, like, yeah, um, it kind of falls apart in, into different subgroups. So seven people is usually, um, a good, good size. And then you need to think what could seven people or sometimes AWS calls it a, a two pizza team, right? What, what could they actually, um, work on, um, the test is clear also. Um, let's say interface to other teams. And I want to jump a bit into the topics that got me uh, really interested when I first uh, researched you before our before our interview. And the first one is the positive leadership. I I haven't heard about it before. Um, could you explain it? It was or there still is an interesting journey when you become a leader. You know what kind of styles or frameworks do you use, right? It's more, much more maybe uh, soft or fluffy on, on, you know, what, 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 what kind of values or what criteria is to use for, for your leadership. And this is certainly a journey that's still going on. So, um, as you know, I've been, um, interested in emotional intelligence, leadership styles. Um, there are a couple mentioned in, in my LinkedIn post and, um, I, I recently arrived with uh, positive leadership. So the basic idea is that. A lot of companies, they focus on what's not working and trying to fix it, which is important, but what they're missing out is kind of amplifying what already works. So what, what happens is there is always a, a negative mood. Um, a lot of fires are burning. You have never time to actually uh, look ahead and, you know, prevent some problems from happening. And what you gain, if you fix the problem is not actually a flourishing company. It's, it's not a thriving company, right? If you fix all the problems, you get kind of a mediocre company that just, um, goes by. So, so the idea is from, um, uh, positive psychology, what can we do to actually have, make people thrive? What, 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 what is important for a company to thrive, to be really successful, really be a market leader, really have some great ideas, great innovation in, in the company and, uh, positive leadership is, um, a style also scientifically based on, you know, finding out, for example, how can you help software engineers to have, um, uh, to use their strengths to achieve flow, right? Like flow is an important factor. If you put a lot of software engineer in a, into an open office and everyone talks the whole time, no one can focus and nothing gets done. Right? So that would be kind of, if you are convinced that maybe software engineers also need some, um, uh, time to focus then how can you make this mapping because this is what works or, um, um, another example is maybe using your strengths. Um, it's been showing that if people can, um, use their strengths, they are much more happier and much more productive, um, at a company. So instead of saying everyone has to be, um, a number, a schema F kind of employee, you can say, Hey, maybe you uh, have an eye for design. So maybe 
you work, collaborate more with a designer or maybe you're really good in algorithms. Hey, maybe could you maybe focus on this, you know, heavy duty tasks and then using people according to the strengths and the right team with the right challenges. I think um, this is something that, that, that really helps. I'm, I'm thinking about myself and uh, how I uh, lead the teams. Uh, so, uh, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm always trying to find uh, problems to fix. So this is what you said at the very beginning. And I'm always, you know, I, I, I'm really hard at celebration that, you know, we done it, we fix it. And, you know, we are super happy about it because I'm always, uh, you know, trying to fix the problems. And I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm just wondering about the emphasizes on the positive uh, side uh, side to to find this uh, kind of USP of the company and then 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 push it. So so well, what I what I wanted to ask is like, do you measure it in some some way? Do you do you measure the positive leadership? Yeah. So the the the, the science based part comes in that um, psychologists have kind of identified five elements that kind of make up um, this positivity. They, they call it well-being, you know. How do you feel satisfied and happy at your workplace? And the, the, the five elements they identified is um, positive emotions. Um, if you have gone to a shop and, you know, the, the employees are in a bad mood and you didn't want to buy there, right? You have experienced how maybe a good mood and a bad mood can influence like um, behavior. And um, then it's um, uh, um, engagement, what I talked about, um, about, you know, experiencing flow, being productive. Um, it's relationship, um, how you collaborate with others, with the team members um, in, inside the company. Um, it's, it's having meaning, like purpose to understand, you know, how, how your work ties into a, a bigger purpose, maybe in the organization's uh, vision. Um, and accomplishment. I think that's what you mentioned as well, you know, to celebrate achievements, to maybe also break things into subtasks. We, we discussed about OKRs, right? They, they make things measurable. And it's also then at the end of the day, you can say, yeah, we achieved this, we did this, we moved the needle in, in the right direction. And the, the, the interesting part is that these five elements you can measure for one, I mean, it's usually surveys, right? Um, you can measure for one inside the team, hey, in these five categories, how do you feel right now? How, how, how is your experience? But you can also um, measure how leaders can contribute to this um, because the, the, the what the positive leadership is kind of as a leader, you can influence these five elements, right? So how much do you as a leader actually influence these five um, elements? And you can also measure this by, for example, having your own, serving your own, assessing your own um, style, but also giving feedback from employees. Hey, does my manager, does my leader actually contribute to, to, to these factors? And from there, and what's interesting about the measurement is, of course, how to improve on that, right? You can identify things and uh, um, uh, improve those. And do you feel that change, like the positive leadership changed the way, for sure it changed the way how you lead the teams, but like had the positive influence on the teams that you are leading? Like in, if you compare yourself like five years ago or three years ago and today, after the journey of, uh, you know, implementing and, uh, and doing the positive leadership, do you feel that it works for, for yourself? You feel better yourself, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, just to make clear, like, um, I think the, the, the word positive is sometimes meant to say, hey, we are, it's, it's all rainbows and unicorns now. 
which is not the case, right? Um, it's it's only about balancing, um, you know, problems with solutions and negative with positive things. And um, in in terms of positive leadership, um, it certainly is a journey, right? Um, uh, you know, with emotional intelligence leadership style, for example, I've um, followed uh, for a very long time. The the main thing that it uh, taught me is there are six, six different styles, and the 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 interesting part is that no one style works in every um, works every time, right? So, um, if you follow like uh, situation leadership, it's clear that you cannot apply the same leadership style um, at every company at the uh, in in the same way. So you need to also be a bit flexible, and you know, positive leadership is also not the you know one leadership style that fixes all. The issues or makes everything um, happy, right? So you need to be a bit flexible and see how that all applies to yourself. And there are so many different frameworks to use. But what I find always um, um, valuable is if it's uh, science-backed, if maybe, um, you know, there are a lot of good books about, you know, what has already worked for others. So in contrast, maybe to a lot of leadership know-how which is more um, experience-based you know I've done I've done this 10 years ago, 10, 10 for 10 years and I'm writing down what worked for me w which is totally fine experience is important but if a scientist found out hey we tested this in different groups and um, it, it has been proven to work I think that's also um, something to to take into account it makes sense I have a one one case or what I experienced in my career so you have the goals for 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 your team members and sometimes those go are not goals are not super sexy right but you need to you need to do it you have uh, for instance a goal that uh, in this quarter we need to do X amount of that or uh, 10 times I don't like I don't know like I'm giving the, the stupid examples like 10 comets you know those are the just uh, quantity that you need to do they are not super sexy but you know that they contribute to the higher goal of I don't know generating the leads or generating the business for the company so they have the influence on the business side and I experience, of course, it's really hard to get those things done because the people are not super uh, emotional about them. Uh, but I experience, like for instance, you ha you have a weekly check, and there is always an excuse why this goal is not going up. And you know, I'm I'm always thinking like how to encourage those people, how to get it done. I know that this is difficult, but we need to get it done. And I have a feeling that there's always uh, something behind it that why I haven't done it because I was working on that, right? So you're smiling, so probably you, ha you have experienced that. Uh, but uh, what is uh, what is your approach uh, to that kind of situation? I think the the key is already what what you mentioned, right? In that um, it might not the task might not be super sexy, but it ties into something important and in, in that it's important for the company. And I think. Um, discussing that for the longest time because I think what usually happens is you discuss 90% of the time the task whereas uh, maybe you you spend 5 and 10% of the time why that is important for the company and maybe turning this around or balancing this um, and I think with 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 these um, tasks what, what I often um, experience is that it's usually a kind of behavior change right like it's usually not something you need to spend one day and getting done. It's something you usually used to do like um, every day or maybe several times a, a week. So you need to develop a behavior or a habit of doing this. And 
I think where a lot of teams go wrong is they 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 try to do like, hey, our goal is to maybe do uh, 20, 20 lead calls per day, right? And they always start with the highest goal first instead of just saying, hey, let's just do one call a day. Let's start with something small, but develop the habit of doing this regularly. And um, what can help there is also maybe to model this as a leader. Hey, we are in this together. I'm also doing my calls and I'm, you know, reporting, you know, hey, this is the experience I had or this is what I have learned. And then try to kind of involve people and say, hey, we are in this together and we are developing <laughs> the behavior, the good behaviors uh, together. And it, it makes sense. Um, the, the, the context, the, the context, right? I wanted to, to tackle the delegation. Uh, the delegation thing. So over the years, your uh, way of work change, the teams uh, change. And I think what is uh, really difficult for, uh, for the people, it's like to delegate the task or delegate even the, even harder delegate the responsibility. So you delegate it and you forget it and you believe that this will be done. It will be not done like how, how you do it. Right. So maybe in 80%. But still, the outcome and the output is is, is fine, right? But on uh, on my journey, I have a feeling that uh, becoming the the leader, I saw it in many people, and delegating their responsibility is super difficult because the people try to be perfect and they want to have the perfect result, but it cannot be done with the team in a perfect manner. Have you experienced that in your career? Was it difficult uh, for you to to delegate, to delegate the responsibility and the task? How you dealt with that? Yeah, definitely, because it's also um, hard to let go sometimes, right? And on the on the other hand, you have to let go because you usually, as an engineering leader, you are busy and there are always new stuff to yeah. to to tackle. And I find that, that a lot of people see delegation as binary, you know, either you do it or someone else does it. But I think there is a lot of uh, in-between states. Um, let's say I do it myself. That would be one extreme. Then maybe I do it and you watch. Then maybe you do it and I watch. And then maybe you do it completely without um, me being more. And also managing this on this kind of four different kind of, of levels. Um, I think it's interesting because a delegation can move from from uh, one state very much to the other state, but it also has in-between kind of um, levels of delegation. And one example that comes to mind where this worked really well is where I was responsible um, as an engineering leader for a team um, that didn't have a, a team lead yet. And um, what um, I tried to do is what kind of um, support someone from that team to go into this team lead role. And this is basically how I, how we did it, right? In the beginning, I was running the team meetings and I was um, um, uh, 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 being the tech lead for, for this team, but I had someone to watch me and say, hey, this is how we currently do it. And then maybe they took over some parts of it. So maybe they could get experience and I could watch and give them feedback and um, support on, on what I think about it. But then it also, you know, they don't have to copy my style. They also have to find their own style, right? Then they then you need to give them some freedom to 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 for one say, um, um, it's different. That's okay. And maybe at some point with certain things, you don't even need to ask me um, back again. But I think if you want to take on more um, work as a as a kind of when you want to become an engineer, I think 
what's always good from my perspective was to inform, you know, keep the communication up. Not to ask for permission, but to say, hey, I'm doing this and that. And, you know, so people are involved. So, so to avoid this kind of binary thinking of either I do it and someone else do it, I never hear, hear again from, from it again. To have, you know, a lot of communication um, uh, in between as well. Okay, that's uh, that, that's cool. It, it reminds me one interview I heard with the, uh, one exec from IBM, and she told something that the people that she's looking for to hire, the most important thing is the people that are willing to learn. So, and they are open to learn. So, because I have a feeling when you delegate the task and there are some new stuff, the people have to be open to learn new things and, and change maybe the ways how they execute some stuff and, and be open open to it. So, so for instance, what, uh, what I really like to do, I'm, I'm giving the task, I'm giving my context, I'm telling like how I would approach the, 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 the problem. So I giving kind of like a patterns and tools, but like, I, I'm having like a red light if somebody is doing the tax the third third time and he cannot get the, the output. It doesn't have to be the same output as I did but um, uh, or the same way how I'm doing it. But if I for the third time I'm giving the support and he or she cannot like achieve the goal, this gives me a red uh, red light um, uh, because usual, usually it, it, it works so, Therefore, I'm always thinking about this op openness to uh, to learn new things, openness to you know achieve the goals. And 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 I guess for for learning, what's what's really important is um, to to be able to give and receive um, feedback because that's how how learning happens, right? And maybe to tie this into the positive leadership style is that um, usually um, uh, people tend to wait until there's a problem and then hey, feedback consists of telling you about this problem. And maybe the, the positive leadership style would be to identify one area that works really well and maybe one area that doesn't work so well and then kind of cut the feedback time into thirds, like one third about what's already working really well. And I think this sets off the feedback in a, in a, in a positive mood because it's, it's never the case that nothing works, right? It's always the case that something is, is really good. And then once you focus on maybe something that doesn't work so well, there's usually still something you can identify that's already um, beginning to start working. Maybe it's not perfect yet, but it's beginning. So that would be the second third of the time. And then the third um, uh, part of the time, you focus on, you know, how can you improve what's not yet working, maybe by a small amount of time. And that way you have a better balance of good things and bad things and kind of moving things um, uh, forward. Fully, fully agree. Fully agree with that. Uh, but let's talk about the hard things. So if we start, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm always wondering when is the time to fire a person? It's, um, you know, it's hard thing, but in general, I think it's good for both sides because if you're firing a person or letting, uh, letting go a person, it's, it's usually because this person doesn't fit the, the position and it's like really hard. Uh, to survive for this person at this position and for you it's really hard because you cannot achieve your goals. So what is your approach to firing people? Do you have any like a frameworks or points you say like hey if this 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 is here it's like clear sign to me that this person doesn't fit the team? I mean generally speaking I, I think 
um, se a separation should never be a surprise for for anyone, right? I, I think the 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 very start or the, the the beginning, the foundation is feedback, right? That you give each other regularly feedback on what's working and what's what's not working, and then over time maybe you're seeing build up stuff that's not working and maybe that also what you mentioned right learning is very important maybe um the person doesn't doesn't want to learn in this area maybe it's not interested or they they, they cannot just don't have the skills um, to do it so over time it kind of adds up right and i think mission of a separation is always um, feedback right so you're constantly in touch about you know what's working well what's not working well so um, a separation should never be a surprise. Otherwise, as a leader, you have done thing or something um, uh, not well. And I think over time you see maybe the stuff that doesn't work well um, adding up. And maybe you also see that the improvements are not there, right? That you don't have a chance or um, you don't see an opportunity anymore that things get improved. So it's useful for your organization. And then I think you have to, at some point, decide you know um and I, I guess this is a sign right that you don't see an opportunity anymore that things improve and then i think it's also important that you don't have this one discussion on you know um we are done it's more like a, a kind of an escalation ladder so maybe you involve your boss you have a talk with the three of you and say look we need to do something to turn this around or maybe there's a next step you have maybe with hr and the employee and so you kind of kind of escalate or make this problem, you know, more concrete until you say, listen, I think it, it doesn't doesn't work out. You mentioned to me this pioneer settler town planner framework, which is like a um, difficult name to remember, but um pioneer settler framework. And I haven't heard this name before, uh, but I really love the concept and I heard about the concept itself before. And I think it's super important for everybody who, who, who are start, who, for starting career or if it's already there to understand. Could you, could you explain that framework? So when um, I wrote my CV or when I thought about, you know, what values, where, where do I like to work? Um, I, I always were looking for a like, concept that maybe described me a little bit further than just saying, I want to work for your company. And uh, one one part of this is maybe the leadership styles I identify with, um, but another part is this pioneer settler town planner framework. And the, the, the metaphor is that, um, hey, this is how the Wild West was settled. You know, first there were the adventurers, the pioneers, you know, who uh, had nothing, but they wanted to get out and experience um, adventure. And then maybe after some time, um, the settlers came in, they built little villages and little towns, and they helped each other and built the first maybe saloon and and the first roads. And then over time, these cities grow bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, the, the town planners came in, maybe built the big cities like maybe San Francisco. And the, the metaphor is comparing this model to also companies, there are some companies that start on a greenfield and um, develop the first prototype. They don't know if they can um, um, earn money with this idea, but these are the pioneers. And then usually you maybe find product market fit or you, you think you are onto something. You need people um, called settlers who kind of build this into a proper product. It's still a custom product, 
but um, you know you have to actually build out and and make this work beyond the prototype and then kind of the third phase is that um, you're really su super successful you're a big company you have to scale it and industrialize it and then the town planner comes in and i i find that in these three states like all states are important they're all necessary and people usually prefer to work in one state or the others so I'm a bit more in this um, settler phase. I'm usually not the one on the green field, but also if it gets very bureaucratic, um, it gets an, a lot of scale. It usually gets a bit too cookie cutter for me and a bit too boring. So I'm trying to be in this um, settler in between, say building something up so it works well, but then handing maybe over to some people who are better at, uh, at scaling. And I think this is a nice framework to understand for what kind of companies you want to work with beyond kind of industry or you beyond your function uh. yeah i i i love it i think it's uh, it offer a lot of questions to many people like some of the guys love the chaos and want to start or bootstrap the companies and uh, be at the really beginning uh, i have a feeling that it's applied to everybody working in the company so, I, I don't know if you experienced that but some developers say they want this like kind of family uh thing like the family social thing in the company if the company gets bigger than 50 people not everybody is dealing with it well and they change to smaller companies uh and then you have the different phases the more processes scale in the company and at some point the people are saying hey there's too many processes for me and this is not yeah, this is not something that i was looking for and 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 that's a lot of how conflicts happen right like uh, one software engineer say hey um, let's get this feature out we want to test this out that's maybe more a pioneer and someone else said no we need to build in quality from the beginning it needs to be tested for two months you know we have to get the architecture right and that's maybe more settler or maybe town planner right and if if you don't have the right values or the uh, common values right it, neither is bad or good it's it's both a valid approach it's just you need as a, in a team and an organization you have a certain you know um, alignment on what are our current values and it could even be um, different from department to department so i worked for a big company that had a, um, a, a, a department that very, very much was in this pioneer settler state right but the rest of the company was maybe more like a town playing state right so it also depends inside a company you can have different groups but it's important yeah to to align your values and what you like to work with with the, with the rest of the team awesome um, I want to ask you the final question, but in fact, I want to ask, let's say two questions around it. <laughs> so the first one is like, what helped you during your career to learn new stuff, to improve yourself as a, as a, as a leader, as a head of engineering, as a director of, as a engineering manager, maybe some books, podcasts, courses, something that you could recommend. I think I certainly um, uh, read a lot of books um, about leadership, but also um, technologies. I think what what uh, helped me the most is maybe um, I was becoming interested in in habits and behavior because um, reading books is a lot about theory, you know, and then you have all this knowledge, but what do you do about it, right? And then you have to learn maybe some tools on actually applying this. So. Um, whether you read Atomic Habits or I'm following the Tiny Habits method. So I think investing some time into behavior change, I find super, super interesting and valuable. And over time, I also, um, in addition to books, I joined um, quite a few communities. I mean, LinkedIn in the sort is, is a community, but 
Um, there's also, for example, different Slack Slack groups that you can join. There's uh, one called uh, CTO Craft, based from the UK, or Rand's Leadership Slack. Um, and the, the 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 great thing about it is that you meet like-minded people um, that you can dusk, discuss with. And I think for me, more and more communities, you know, discussions are becoming interesting because once you learn something, once you have tried something out, you also bounce it off with others. Hey, how how you how are you approaching this? Or maybe can I tell you about um, an issue I have? And uh, this has been and. This is also maybe a bit my goal in the future to maybe also offer myself communities or become a member of communities. For example, a mentoring on a, on a non-profit platform and to become part of communities to help each other. Mm -hmm. And is there something today that uh, you are doing or uh, you are reading or um, despite of the communities, because this is a great example to develop yourself, uh, let's say in the future, uh, future year in the future role to uh, to develop yourself yeah, so so two books i'm i'm currently reading one is about um positive leadership by marcus ebner i think if you want are interested in this concept and want a bit more either the scientific background or tools that you can apply i think um, he wrote uh, two great books in english and um the second book i'm reading currently um is about um i'm interested in how neuroscience and your emotions you know, affect the way you lead and um, you experience uh, work. There's a lot of new uh, literature coming out also. Um, how can you adapt the workspace for different people who are maybe uh, wired um, uh, differently? And also how can you, yeah, um, everyone, you know, especially in Corona and during the climate crisis and Ukraine war, you know, how, how do you manage your emotions? How, how can you maybe have a mental, um, a good mental health, right? Because if you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others. So that's also important. Okay, great. Thanks, uh, Klaus. It was super interesting to talk with you today. Uh, thank, thank you for your time. Thank you. Follow Matt on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.